MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, November 10th, 2020. Today, Pfizer announces its vaccine has been shown to be 90% effective, shooting the stock market up over 1,000 points. Trump fires the Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper, by tweet. Donald's GSA chief refuses to sign off on the Biden transition. Russia refuses to congratulate Biden's victory. The Four Seasons total landscaping story piles on. Ben Carson tests positive for coronavirus. Asha Rangappa posits potential interference with an independent Department of Justice. And Biden met today with his new COVID advisory panel as we surpass 10 million cases and 237,000 deaths. I'm your host, A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Oh, Dana, um, the news keeps getting funnier (laughs) and scarier. I mean, funnier and crazier, though. I mean, this is some of these stories are you can't. I can't even, I couldn't have written these and submitted them to a writer's room. I could have pitched this in Hollywood and they would be like, nah, we're going to pass. It doesn't sound realistic. Yeah. No, <laughs> your script is just out of control. Uh, you know, and that would be even at Veep. They wouldn't even take it at Veep. Um, For sure. <laughs> it's so, so stupid. Uh, and uh, this just in, and I'll talk about this a little bit later with uh, Frank Figlusi. We have him on the show. We have a Bill Barr sighting after hiding from the public for a long time. Um the criminal Sasquatch has been seen headed into Mitch McConnell's office today, uh, likely discussing how to move forward with not conceding the election, though we don't know for sure at all what they spoke about. But I'll talk talk with Frank about that. We've got a lot today, including headlines. Of course, the good news. We'll do that later, Dana. Sounds good. I'll be covering a piece by Asha Rangappa about the future of the Department of Justice, at least in the next 72 days, in news from under the radar in that uh, block there. And like I said, Frank Figlusi will be here. We're going to talk about... Uh, the bar sighting. We're going to talk about Trump's appointee blocking the Biden transition. And of course, the national security implications and Supreme Court implications. There's some good news attached to that uh, issue uh, that we could see come up in the next week or so. So stick around for that. We've got a lot of headlines to cover. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. Not really a standout lead story today. Just a bunch of shenanigans and ass fuckery. And today... Trump fired the Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper, in his usual cowardly fashion by a tweet. And he didn't even say in his tweet that Esper was fired. He just appointed a new Secretary of Defense, (laughs) Chris Miller. (laughs) So extra cowardly move. Could you imagine you'd be coming home like if you were in a relationship and someone else was just living in the apartment and you're like, where's my boyfriend? And you're like, what are you talking about? This is your new boyfriend. I've appointed my new husband, Ben. I just want you to meet him. Uh, Does that mean? Yes, that means you are my old husband and must leave the house. (laughs) Um, That's just so fucking par for the course, you know, just coward, cowardice. And it just blows my mind that he had a whole fucking show based on how he was a zillionaire, successful businessman, and he was really capable of firing people to their face. It was just scripted. Um. So Esper's been in hot water since like June and probably before that. Uh, In June, he refused to allow Trump to use the Insurrection Act to send federal military forces to quell protests, which were peaceful, by the way. And Esper also refused to take part in that photo op across Lafayette Park when Trump Mm -hmm. used tear gas and rubber bullets at peaceful protesters. Um, It's unclear 
whether this is just a chaos move or if it's to install someone more pliable um, to some of the things Trump's, you know, Trump has wanted to do, but Esper was blocking. Uh, and of course, we know Esper was working side on the side with uh, trying to get the new NDAA to allow for the renaming of military bases named after Confederate, you know, a-holes. And so Trump just hates his guts. And now under the Constitution, governors of U.S. states have primary authority to maintain order within their borders. The 1878 Posse Comitatus Act bars the federal military from participating in domestic law enforcement. The Insurrection Act, which was an exception to the Posse Comitatus Act dating back to 1807, permits the president to send U.S. forces to suppress domestic insurrection. The Insurrection Act has been, Act has, been, has been invoked dozens of times in our history, but rarely since the civil rights movement of the 60s. It was last invoked in 92 by George H.W. when the acquittal of four Los Angeles police officers in the beating of black motorist Rodney King led to uh, riots. California's governor supported Bush's use of the law at that point. The act gives a president awesome powers, unquote, unquote, and should be used as a last resort. And that's according to retired Army Major General John Altenberg, now a Washington lawyer. So we will keep you posted on the impact of the firing of Mark Esper. At the very least, it sends a destabilizing message to our adversaries, right? Like we yeah. uh, we, we we have a new uh, sec death, and uh, we're not really sure. And and look for look for um, Chris Ray and Gina Haspel of the FBI and CIA to possibly go down this week too. It's just going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be chaos. He's gonna he's gonna. He's going to wreck everything on his way out. I mean, and I'm sorry, but I do find it humorous that the the new Secretary of Defense almost tripped on his face as he was walking into the building today. I'm sometimes you just have to take the little the little successes and run with them. That's it. Uh, speaking of little, and this isn't a little success, this is actually quite big. So Pfizer announced on Monday that an early analysis of its coronavirus vaccine trial suggested the vaccine was robustly effective in preventing COVID-19. So the company said that the analysis found that the vaccine was more than 90% effective in preventing the disease among trial volunteers who had no evidence of prior coronavirus infection. So if these results hold up, that level of protection would put on par with highly effective childhood vaccines for diseases like measles. Um, There's no serious safety concerns that have been observed, which is wonderful. Pfizer plans to ask the Food and Drug Administration for emergency authorization of the two-dose vaccine later this month after it has collected the recommendations two months of safety data. Now, by the end of the year... It will have manufactured enough doses to immunize 15 to 20 million people. So Mike Pence, being the douchebag that he is, immediately took to Twitter to claim credit for the vaccine, Allison. So he uh, the, the problem with this is that Pfizer like responded almost immediately uh, to point out that they were never part of the warp speed, uh, Operation Warp Speed, and they have never taken any money from the U.S. federal government or from any once. So, uh, of course, you know, they're taking responsibility for something that went highly successful, uh, even though they had zero to do with it. And I love that Pfizer was like, no, that's not true. Like immediately. No, Pfizer and the Four Seasons are both like, no, we're not associated with that clown. (laughs) That story is never not going to be funny. (laughs) I can't stop with that story. (laughs) They can't stop with it. There's more later, but I have some more coronavirus news. And this is really good news. That shot the Dow up over a thousand points today. I think it was 1400 the last I looked, Uh, you know, and now, you know, some people in the Trump camp are saying that, you know, 
not announcing this prior to the election is on par with election interference. People, you know, all Republicans are pissed that they didn't come out sooner. And they're like, we're not even part of your fucking project. So (laughs) have a seat. Um, And now, uh, you know, President-elect Biden, I love to say that, urged Americans today to wear a face mask, uh, saying that doing so is not a political statement. And it's the best way to save lives before a coronavirus vaccine is widely available. In a speech Monday after meeting with his new assembled 12-member coronavirus task force, advising him during the transition before his January 20th inauguration, Biden implored Americans to stop the politicization of basic public health precautions like mask wearing and social distancing. Quote, the goal of mask wearing is not to make your life less comfortable or take something away from you. It's to give something back to all of us, a normal life. The goal is to get back to normal as fast as possible. And masks are critical to doing that. It won't be forever. Basically, like, chill the fuck out. You seriously. Uh, wearing, wearing a mask, he said, was not a political statement, but it's a good way to start pulling the country together. It's got to be something we can all agree on. And uh, Biden's transition team earlier Monday morning announced the group of public health experts that will make up his coronavirus advisory board, which includes Rick Bright. That is the whistleblower from the Trump administration who alleged that his early warnings about the pandemic were ignored and ultimately led to his removal. He also opposed hydroxychloroquine, uh, especially non-FDA approved hydroxychloroquine from overseas. They wanted him to like push that out. And he's like, fuck no, bro. Uh, and <laughs> Rick Bright, he's a whistleblower. And what I think is amazing about this and gives me a little bit of hope, a little bit sh- like a little shot of adrenaline, is that this kind of shows that Biden is not afraid to appoint politically divisive figures into his cabinet or into his advisory boards. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? At first, you know, we were talking about uh, he's probably just going to pick people that no one's ever heard of to kind of smooth the way. But th- this is like a little bit of a, yeah, I'm, I'm bringing Rick Bright in. And if and if Trump fires Fauci, he'll bring Fauci in, you know? Absolutely. And um, I think that that is a little bit of a sign of, of Biden wanting to unite the, unite the country, but not being afraid to appoint and hire experts, even if they might be politically, quote unquote, divisive, somebody that Trump openly attacked. Right. Um, and the inclusion of, of Rick Bright, who said that he was met with skepticism by Trump administration officials when he raised concerns in the throes of the pandemic about supply shortages this is a signal of the of the contrasted direction that Biden intends to take his administration when it comes to dealing with the pandemic. So it's not just like I'm willing to appoint controversial figures, but I'm just willing to do what needs to be done uh, in order to 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 make our country safe from covid. And I think that that's wonderful. As as an aside, we learned today Ben Carson uh, has tested positive for covid. I think he's uh, houses housing and urban urban development. Um, I think he's the guy who spent like $30,000 on a dining room table or something. I can't remember. I can't keep their fucking shit apart. But uh, <laughs> Ben Carson has tested positive for COVID, uh, as has Trump's top legal advisor, David Bossie. Now, Bossie is the one leading the charge for the election lawsuits that Trump is filing. <laughs> but as it turns out, uh, Bossie isn't a lawyer. Uh, he doesn't have a law degree. He he does not even have a bachelor's degree, uh, and he has COVID. So. 
Oh, that God. does it. That's what qualifies you, I guess, for the jobs in the Trump administration. And the uh, okay, so the other thing, and just as a small aside, all of these people that are so ignorant and sending donations now, Trump's just going to pocket it. He's pocketing everything. I mean, especially if apparently his lawyers don't cost anything. Rudy's free. This guy doesn't even have a law degree. I mean, so what exactly? Are his donations paying for? I just, not that any Trumpers are listening to this, but if you are, be careful where your money goes. All right. Um, This guy, this guy, uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin won't congratulate President-elect Joe Biden until legal challenges uh, to the U.S. election are resolved and the result is official, the Kremlin announced on Monday. So when Trump won, just a reminder, when Trump won in 2016, Putin was very prompt very prompt in offering congratulations. Uh, but Trump's ch- and Trump's challenger in that election, Hillary Clinton, had also conceded the day after the vote, even though she probably shouldn't have. That's the, that's wow. the, the fuckery of this whole story. It's not the same as 2016. She conceded. So the leaders mm-hmm. also, not just Putin, the leaders of China, Brazil, and Turkey are also holdouts and offering congratulations. And Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador... Obrador, Obrador, Mm -hmm. also said he would wait to comment until the legal challenges were resolved. Uh, McConnell, on the other hand, has announced he will be meeting today with the newly elected Republican senators. Not sure uh, that isn't an acknowledgement of the election results. I mean, how is that not... You know, he the, what he said on the Senate floor yesterday uh, it was infuriating, uh, listening to that. And um, I also, you know, I got, I, I've gotten some of my evil thoughts that, are, that come out on the outside. Uh, Bill Barr was at the super spreader event where uh, Ben Carson and, um, you know, so many other people got coronavirus on Tuesday night. And now, uh, you know what, he's walking into Mitch McConnell's office. Great. Yeah, and and it wasn't said whether they were married, whether they were wearing masks or not. But my guess is no, probably not. Um, now, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I don't see how this couldn't be a concession that the election was valid if McConnell is meeting with the the Republicans that won um, their seats. It's just dumb. Um, all right, so we're gonna pile on to uh to Four Seasons Total Landscaping here. <laughs> Um, uh, first of all, I tweeted out on my personal Twitter at Allison Gill, a, uh, background of, uh, Four Seasons Total Landscaping that you can use for your Zoom calls so that, you know, you can appear to be standing in front of there. Um, the dildo store is not present, so it is safe for work. Now, the first person, Rudy Giuliani, the attorney for Donald Trump, called up to the podium as a witness to baseless allegations of vote counting shenanigans in Philadelphia during a press conference last week, is a sex offender who for years has been a perennial candidate in New Jersey. Good Lord. Trenton political insiders watched with bemusement as Brooks took the podium. Brooks was incarcerated in the 90s on charges of sexual assault, lewdness, and endangering the welfare of a minor for exposing himself to two girls ages 7 and 11. That's according to the news accounts. Brooks has run for various offices, including U.S. Senate and House of Representatives. He says, quote, I went to prison for three and a half years. That's what they said I was. That's what they said I was did. That's what he, I, I'm quoting him. Uh, I, I, that's not my typo. <laughs> I went to prison for three and a half years. That's what they said I was did. I was 25 years old. I was an activist always doing the right thing. They lied on me. The cops set me up. 
that's literally what he said. Oh, my God. Come on. <sighs> anyway, uh, just too much. We will keep our eye. We will keep a close, critical news eye on the Four Seasons landscaping, total landscaping story for you. I don't want to miss a thing. Uh, we'll be right back with news from under the radar, including a piece penned by Asha Rangappa in the Washington Post about concerns surrounding Trump's interference with the independent Justice Department, especially in the coming two months. Stay with us for that. And then, of course, we'll be wrapping up with the good news. So stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG for The Daily Beans. This episode is brought to you by The New Yorker. I have been a fan of The New Yorker for as long as I can remember. I remember getting my first copy and being drawn by the art design and the cartoons. The New Yorker has always been the best of the best. In print and online, The New York stands apart for its commitment to truth and accuracy, quality writing, and compelling reporting and storytelling. The New Yorker is considered by many to be one of the most influential publications in the world. New Yorker's weekly print issues and daily online articles cover a wide range of topics, and there's something for everyone, really. I mean, you could get politics and news or international affairs, climate change and the environment, pop culture, I especially love that and the arts, fiction, food, humor, and of course, the cartoons. The New Yorker has become the daily digital destination for news and cultural coverage, publishing 10 to 15 exclusive site-only stories every day. In addition to that, you can use their apps, read from the online archive dating all the way back to 1925. You can solve the crossword puzzles, which I love, and there's just so much more. In both print and online digital issues, The New Yorker has content from the best writers in America today. A couple of my favorite contributing writers include Emily Nussbaum, who won the Pulitzer in 2016, and Doreen St. Felix, who covers the highs and lows of today's culture. She won the Ellie Award for Collins and Commentary in 2019. A 12-week subscription is just $6, and it includes home delivery of the print edition each week and unlimited access to the New Yorker website. That is a 50% discount for us. And for a limited time, you can get the 12 weeks of the New Yorker for just $6. That's a savings of 50%. Plus, listeners of the show will receive an exclusive tote bag free. We love tote bags. So go to newyorker.com slash dailybeans. That's N-E-W-Y-O-R-K-E-R dot com slash dailybeans to get 12 weeks of the New Yorker for just $6 and a free tote bag. newyorker.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for a little news from under the radar. This is AG, and I wanted to talk today uh, to you about a piece that was penned by Asha Rangappa. She's been on the pod several times, senior lecturer at Jackson Institute for Global Affairs at Yale and former FBI agent, and she's a legal and national security analyst for CNN as well. And she put together a story here that says Trump can still make it very hard for the FBI to investigate him next year. From a self-pardon to ordering Justice Department memos, the president has the power to protect himself. Now, she goes on to say the final votes from Pennsylvania and Nevada not only changed Trump's political future, they changed his legal prospects, too. And I tweeted about this. I said not only is the election on the ballot, but so is his ability to be criminally prosecuted, because once he's out of office... He's no longer covered by that Office of Legal Counsel memo. And that's what she's talking about. She says when Trump leaves the Oval, he will face potential liability for criminal acts he committed while in office and even before. Between now and January 20th, though, Trump has a lot of power to make it harder for the Justice Department and the FBI to follow through on any investigations once he's no longer president. She says, until now, the office of the presidency has largely shielded Trump for the prospect of criminal prosecution. Some of this is because of Justice Department policy. Despite finding substantial evidence of obstruction of justice in the Mueller investigation, um, Mueller declined to charge Trump, citing a 1973 Office of Legal Counsel memo. We've talked about this. Barr has further protected Trump, defending the president's actions in public and pressuring prosecutors who might harm the president's interest in private. We knew about that, too. 
But without the immunity offered by his position and with a new attorney general under Joe Biden's administration, Trump will be accountable to the law like any other citizen. But Trump reportedly planned to fire the FBI director, Chris Wray, once the election ended. And while that might be emotionally satisfying for the president, we saw when he fired Comey that simply deposing the head of the FBI doesn't actually stop any investigations. Nonetheless, Trump can take much more concrete steps uh, to protect himself and his family than the simple symbolic one, you know, one of throwing out an appointee that he decided was disloyal. The strongest and broadest immunity from federal prosecution would come in the form of a pardon. Gerald Ford offered Nixon a pardon uh, for any crimes committed while in office, and George H.W. Bush, with the help from Barr, then also Attorney General, pardoned six people involved in Iran-Contra. That stopped two ongoing prosecutions dating back to the Reagan administration. They stopped dead in their tracks. However, since uh, Biden has categorically stated that he will not pardon Trump, Trump would have to engineer that himself during this transition period. So he has two options. First, Asha says, he could try to pardon himself. That's a risky move. Uh, as whether a self-pardon would be constitutionally valid, as it's an unsettled legal question, because no previous president has tried it. Most legal scholars agree it's not permissible, though. And if Trump pardoned himself and were later challenged and invalidated, he would be back to square one. Alternatively, Trump could resign at some point uh, before January 20th, 2021, leaving Pence to assume the presidency, however briefly, giving him the, the power to pardon Trump. Thanks to the precedent Ford set with Nixon, such a pardon, uh, which Pence could also extend to members of Trump's family, would probably be constitutionally secure um, if it covered uncharged crimes committed while Trump was in office. Trump has a couple of quieter options, though, and we knew about these, but here's where Asha gets into the weeds. He could pursue behind-the-scenes stuff to protect himself. One thing, he could get Barr to provide legal cover for anything uh, that future prosecutors might want to examine in the form of internal memos written by the Office of Legal Counsel. Much like the legal counsel memo that's in there now that said a sitting president can't be uh, indicted. You know, Barr could whip something up that says past presidents can't be indicted. We already know Barr has expressed legal theories supporting an expansive view of presidential power, including the idea that the president cannot be, uh, as a matter of law, cannot obstruct justice. He also determined, Barr did, without investigation, that Trump's solicitation last year of Ukrainian President Zelensky to investigate Biden was not a thing of value. Uh, which would have constituted criminal finance violation. The Office of Legal Counsel could incorporate arguments like this into an office into office legal positions of the Justice Department. While they wouldn't be binding on a future attorney general, they would undermine future investigations and prosecutions by giving Trump a basis to argue that his actions were legally justified and sanctioned by his own legal advisors. Trump has a bigger problem with investigations that have already taken place or that may be actively underway, though. For example, the indictment by federal prosecutors in New York of Trump's former attorney, Michael Cohen, for a campaign finance violation stemming from the concealed payment of Stormy Daniels. He was he was listed as individual one in that. It's also possible that federal law enforcement officials in other jurisdictions might actively be investigating Trump for tax or bank fraud, given a series of reporting based on Trump's tax returns. Barr can't make these investigations disappear. The investigative documentation that has been gathered is protected from tampering at this stage. However, he can paper over the files, uh, meaning adding memos, justifying closing the cases or calling into doubt the evidence or the assessment of investigators or prosecutors who have worked on them. We've seen him do this already, um, she says, in his attempt to reverse the sentencing recommendation of Roger Stone and in the Justice Department's current attempt to drop the charges against Mike Flynn. By, quote-unquote, poisoning the cases in this way, Barr can effectively plant exculpatory material into the record, meaning prosecutors would be legally required to provide these memos to the Trump's defense team. 
and this would set up future prosecutions to seem as though they are pursuing legally baseless cases because of political bias. Of course, uh, none of these actions would protect Trump from being prosecuted for state crimes, a very real possibility, given that, you know, we know New York Attorney General and then Cy Vance and the Manhattan DA. We all know about that. But it's hard to know what Trump might do during the transition itself if he feels panicked and decides to get rid of anything he thinks might incriminate him. And Natasha Bertrand did a story about those records. Any records relating to Trump's official duties as president, even contained on personal devices, are officially presidential records and attempts to destroy them constitute a new host of federal crimes. In short, Trump won't be in the clear no matter what he does. Um, This is especially true when we consider the FBI's counterintelligence interest in Trump that will continue after he leaves office. He'll still know highly classified information, so it'll be more important than ever for the intel community to know whether foreign countries have any leverage they can exploit over the former president. And and that's what Asha says, and we know this to be true, and she she goes on about this. He's in debt uh, over almost a billion dollars. It's about 420 just to Deutsche Bank alone. Um, And those loans could have been underwritten by Russia. We don't know. We don't have that information yet, but it definitely makes him a target. If he if if our foreign adversaries know he's got a billion dollars in debt and say, hey, just sell us a couple secrets. We'll take care of your debt. I mean, shit like that happens or not. We'll take care of your debt, but we'll buy cash only purchases of your condos in Trump Tower uh, through an LLC, uh, you know, backdoor. Uh, we've already seen that kind of behavior. So it's going to be really interesting um, how this all plays out. She closes up the article saying before Trump leaves office, he has the power to muck up any cases that could be made against him by the future Justice Department, enough to set up Biden to continue as the villain in the same witch hunt narrative Trump's been talking about for the past four years. So this is a really, really excellent article. There's a a lot I didn't get to in it, but I wanted to give you the main highlights here. It's by Asha Rangappa. It is in the Washington Post. You definitely need to check it out. And I will be right back uh, with Frank Fagluzzi, and we're going to talk about some of this. Um, And we're also going to uh, cover some stuff that's going on at the GSA and the blocking of the Biden transition uh, and a couple other things, too, and how that might impact national security. So I appreciate that. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG from The Daily Beans. This portion of the show is proudly sponsored by American Giant. It is more important than ever to support our local communities and businesses, and it's a great time to be supporting the men and women making stuff in this country. Did you know that in 1960, 95% of all clothing was made in the United States? Today, it's only 3%. I think right now is a perfect time to be buying clothes that are made here. Have you ever stopped to wonder why we make all of our stuff overseas? Uh, Why does most of the stuff we buy feel disposable and cheap and we end up throwing it away? Because it is. American Giant's goal is to make things better and make better things. American Giant has built a 100% USA-based supply chain with strong relationships to factories, workers, and communities at every step. It's not the cheapest, but it makes for a better sweatshirt, and it's better for our people and the planet because American Giant makes clothing that is durable, non-disposable, and they are reclaiming the American tradition of making high-quality clothes that last. And that makes it more sustainable. Clothes that are meant to be used more, so you need less. Their clothes are made to be worn more and kept longer. Clothes built to last and not end up in the landfill. I recently received their beautiful Compass Marina sweatshirt, just in time for the cold snap. It's amazing quality. Stylish design, super comfy, so soft. Uh, Listeners already know that manufacturing here in the USA and supporting local communities is important. So check out American Giant and get the best, most high-quality clothes on the market. And get 15% off your first order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant.com. That's 15% off when you use code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant.com. 
Hey, everybody, welcome back. So there's a little known Trump appointee at the GSA that is refusing to sign off on a Biden transition, uh, meaning that that's holding up the resources for the Biden team. And joining us to discuss this, plus other implications, is former assistant director of the FBI for counterintelligence and MSNBC national security contributor, our friend Frank Fagluzzi. Frank, how are you? I'm well, but watching the plot sicken, as they say, with um, not the, the, the kind of foot dragging and, and line in the sand recalcitrance of, of Trump and his people, even down to the GSA level. Yeah, it, it is really gross. And I, I mean, I remember some of these appointees uh, just in, in these little tiny sort of things that don't seem like a big deal, but would be a huge thing in any other administration, like, for example, the relocation of the FBI headquarters and how he put the kibosh on that because he didn't want a hotel moving in to compete with his own, et cetera. Uh, just there's so much. Boy, you 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 hit a sore spot for me, which is uh, FBI headquarters at the corner of 10th and Pennsylvania Avenue. So look, um, and, and it ties right into this GSA person that we're going to talk about, um, probably not in very glowing terms, by the way. <laughs> so for those, for those who don't know, the... J. Edgar Hoover building at 910 Pennsylvania Avenue is literally falling apart. I, when I say literally, I mean that they have to put nets up around the facade of the building to catch the decaying cement and, and concrete facade um, that so that it doesn't fall on tourists and people walking on the sidewalk for an entire city block that the building takes up. The building was designed to have marble facing put into it. No one could ever afford that from its inception in about 1972, 73. So it's been exposed, the, the cement has been, the concrete's been exposed to the elements for all those decades and is now crumbling. And it's an embarrassment, not, not to mention the fact that the various divisions of the FBI from cyber to counterintelligence to counterterrorism, criminal, legal, et cetera, are now, because of the size and growth of the organization, are now not even in the same building. So we don't have it under one roof. They're scattered. The, the various divisions are scattered throughout the uh, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. And um, it erodes the mission, not, not to mention the facade of the building. So for those who aren't familiar with the GSA issue about the Hoover building, which ties into this very same person we're going to talk about, um, for years it's been approved by Congress um, that they need to move. And even site selection has occurred. And they had a site in Northern Virginia selected. And lo and behold, Trump, when he takes office, decides, oh no, we cannot have a full city block down the street from Trump Hotel um, open for possible use as a hotel that might compete with me. So there sits the crumbling FBI building, even as we speak. Yeah. And uh, I, there were, I know there were some investigations into that. But of course, those sort of got brushed under the rug. I'm, I'm hoping we'll hear more about it next year. Um, but first of all, um, we haven't spoken since the race was called. How are you feeling about that, at least? Well, it's it, I'm feeling fantastic because there's a sense of relief that democracy um, is restored, that that this works, that the rest of the world can look at this and say, OK, we had our doubts. 
We knew democracy was an experiment, but now we think the experiment actually can stand. And I'm, I'm thrilled about that. I'm thrilled for the rule of law and justice. And I am not at all surprised that we are entering what I've said for a while could be a flashpoint in American history, which is this period between the election and the inauguration. So it's good news, bad news, as is mm. often the case. I'm still very confident that the system and process will stand, but it's going to get very, very ugly. And mm. that ugliness ties right into the fact that at the General Services Administration, GSA, we have a woman who is right now refusing to sign off on an, uh, an <laughs> on on a finding that Biden is the apparent winner of the election. Mm -hmm. And her name is uh, Emily Murphy. She's at the GSA. Tell us uh, what this does by refusing to sign off on this letter. What is she blocking here? Yeah. So look, it, it's um, a couple of important things. One is there are many people I'm seeing on social media saying, uh, who cares whether some functionary bureaucrat at the General Services Administration cannot ascertain that Biden's the apparent winner. Who cares? And my response to that is, look, this is all about the funding of millions of dollars in transition money that goes toward office space, goes toward staffing, that allows for a smooth, as smooth as can be, a streamlined transition of power in our democracy. But even more importantly, this the legal term is ascertainment. So this official has to ascertain an apparent winner. She doesn't have to declare a winner. She has to simply say, I acknowledge that there's an apparent winner in this election and release the funds. What does that do? It allows the briefing process and the transition and hiring processes to take place so that Biden can hit the ground running on January 20th. I've been a part of that a briefing and transition preparation at the FBI um, when I was assistant director. And I can tell you that it is extensive. Extensive briefing materials are prepared in every agency in the government to allow an incoming administration to understand the threats they're facing across the globe, understand the issues that are screaming and have to get addressed right now. And in the case of this president and the Trump administration, things like uh, at the FBI level, hey, um, President-elect Biden, here's a screaming threat that we can't even get briefed to the White House. Here's a, a major decision that has to be made. Here's what's going on with investigations right now. Here's where you need to make a call soon because this guy in the Oval Office hasn't done it. So it takes on even added urgency in this particular scenario. And none of that will happen. To include, by the way, a briefing on how the military plans to deploy a vaccine against COVID. None of that will be briefed. None of it can be planned for until this woman at GSA signs off on an ascertainment that we have an apparent winner. 
Yeah, and I wanted to ask you about that, too. I mean, first of all, if she does sign off on it, and for some reason a bunch of ballots are found for Trump, you just cancel it, right? I mean, it's you can it's easy to undo. I mean, we've never had to undo it before, and it wouldn't be undone, but there's no... There's no harm in in doing it. There's just harm in not doing it. And as a national security expert, you kind of touched on it a little bit there about national security briefings, leaving our military vulnerable, not being able to deploy the vaccine. That is a national security problem as well. It leaves us very vulnerable. It exactly it tells. So not only does it does it mean that Biden is and his transition team would be operating in the blind, but it tells our adversaries that look, there are components of the US government that are not buying into this election result. So, you know, you see people like Putin and others who still haven't congratulated Biden. You know, th- this sends the message that Biden is not legitimate yet, you know, and, and it, it is a security measure. The other, the other thing about this that I've pointed out in my own uh, social media is I think it's time for Biden. I mean, I, I'm willing to give I'm willing to give this about a week of legal challenges by Trump, and he can get can continue to get knocked down in court after court, in state after state. I'll give it about a week, and then I think Biden needs needs to sue on this decision because you can you know you can go back and forth on election results, and Trump can challenge the election and for, you know claim fraud for years, but. On this one call, this GSA call, it's I see it as a possible end around where Biden can go to the courts and say, hey, I, I am the apparent winner and I need this money and I need these briefings. And so I need you to tell GSA to sign off on this. And if the courts do it, and I think they will because he, he is the apparent winner, then it kind of just pushes all of the Trump challenges on, on the election proper to the side. And they and, and the, have the courts just go, yeah, you know what? You are an apparent winner. You need to you need to get the transition going. And, and I love it. I love the strategy if, if it happens, because, you know, it's a way of going. Eh, Trump can challenge this till he's blue in the face. But I've got a court ruling saying GSA needs to call me the apparent winner. Mm. Yeah, and I think that, um, I mean, there, there's a lot of evidentiary support for that as well, which, you know, Trump does not have in his legal battles. Uh, but I'm not surprised. I mean, Kushner put together his legal defense or his legal, you know, strategy, and the guy running it doesn't even have a law degree. He doesn't even have a bachelor's degree. Uh, he does have COVID, though, uh, as of today. But, um, you know, so here we are in a situation where, you know, everyone, like every single person who's a lawyer and even people who are not lawyers like myself who understand that a case has to have evidentiary support or show harm, he's got none of that. But Biden's case would. And and, and I think that's what you meant. Uh, and this is what you were talking about when you tweeted out today. You said this is how the Supreme Court ultimately tells Trump to take a hike. Yeah. If Biden, if if Biden, like I said, if a few days go by and, and this and I predict this is going to happen, that GSA just refuses to even call him an apparent winner. I, I think I think Biden should go to court on it. And, and I think he'll prevail. And I think it, again, it kind of quashes and silences all the uh, this more substantive challenge, or I should say, the the lack of substantive challenges um, regarding the actual election itself. Um, yeah, I mean, if look, if Trump is going to play the court system in a in a fraudulent, exploitative manner, 
then certainly Biden can, can come in and say, you know what, I've actually got some evidence that I'm the apparent winner and I'm going to I'm going to go to court with that. And I and I and I think it should happen. Yeah, I, I'm assuming that the uh, Biden team knows that this is an option. Has anyone talked to them about it? Have they brought it up? Is anyone is this is this just sort of an idea that's floating around down amongst uh, pundits? So my my sources tell me that his lawyer, Biden, the Biden legal team is well aware um, of this as a possible course of action. And they are kind of waiting to see what happens today, tomorrow with these court challenges in the key swing in the key states that are being challenged. Um, you know, today we've heard, and, and then I think they'll pull the trigger um, because the best look, the best case scenario, although we've never we haven't seen the best case scenario for the last four years, um, is is that you know logic prevails, and when these court challenges are denied, GSA does the right thing. But if it doesn't happen, I'm sure they're prepared to pull the trigger on it. But even today, we're hearing about you know Trump claiming that dead people have voted and. and you know, he's going to show proof of obituaries. And and we even it was quite refreshing to see that Kaylee McEnany was having a press conference today and started to go off on this craziness tangent of, you know, it's all fraudulent. And uh, Fox News cut her off. They, yeah. they, they, Neil Cavuto uh, stopped stopped the feed from the press conference. So even Fox News is realizing that this this is uh, this is going nowhere. Well, I would love I would love that. I'm going to put some beans on that. I think I hope uh, I'm going to put some beans on Biden pulling the trigger on a lawsuit of the GSA thing here in the next week or so. Um, that's I think that that would be uh, the next logical step, like you said. And um, real quick before I let you go, I got another minute or so here. Barr, we had a Bill Barr sighting. They saw the Sasquatch. Uh, he was headed into the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's office. And I wonder what they were talking about, because I think it was right before or right after McConnell went onto the floor and backed Trump's play that, he, you know, we should wait for these legal, these lawsuits to be resolved, um, which I mean, I guess is sort of playing to both sides. Oh, my. Well, look, it, again, it should not shock anybody that we have an attorney general who thinks he's the personal attorney to the president. And and I'm I'm willing to bet some cash that that's exactly what he was talking about with McConnell is some continuing strategy um, to to coordinate efforts. And, and by the way, I, I I'm also concerned as we look down ballot and we look at Georgia and we, we look at the runoffs for the two Senate seats there, I, I think you're going to see Barr engaged in some shenanigans there as well. And I think one of the things they need to be very careful of, and perhaps Barr is savvy enough to figure it out, is when you start challenging ballots, you better be prepared to have Democrats come in and go, oh, oh really? So um, let's figure this out. Rep Democrats seem to have lost seats, you know, lost in Congress. Um, Republicans have have won congressional seats and Senate positions. Do you want to challenge those too? Do you want to? Let's see. Th those dead people that you claim voted in Nevada are did they vote for Republicans down ballot? You want to you want to go at it, at it that way? This could go on forever. And I the bottom line is this: Are there adequate numbers? Let's assume 
Let's assume that some of the fraud you're alleging may have happened. Is there anything close to a valid number of canceled ballots that would get you a changed outcome in any of these areas? And so far, even Republican election officials in states like Georgia, <laughs> yeah. the lieutenant governor, who is a Republican Trump fan, has come out and said, yeah, we just we don't see it. We just don't see it. Yeah. And the secretary of the state says, I'm not resigning. Loeffler and Purdue asked him to resign. He's like, I'm not resigning the election. This is these are the votes. And uh, yeah. And it, it's like a be careful what you wish for, because I have some questions about the vote tallies for Republicans in states like Kentucky and Maine and and things like that and the down ballot races. So you want to open that door. You, you can't unring that bell. And uh, I'd be happy to take a look at those also. I, you know, I don't have any proof. There's no proof that there's anything wrong with this election. Uh, but I definitely would like it looked into. I just think that um, you're right. It's it's be ca- it's a be careful what you wish for situation. Yeah, but they've never thought. To, look, Trump, the Trump administration has never thought two and three steps ahead here. So nope. <laughs> um, we're we're in for a rough period. I continue to look at this not only through the national security lens, as we've talked about with the transition issue, but but also through a very domestic physical security sense, which is I continue to see really scary people um, uh, posturing and, you know, just talking about the potential for violence and taking up of arms on the various chat rooms and social media sites. And so far, I'm really happy that this has been a lot of bluster, but um, all they're waiting for is for Trump to really go off the edge and signal that he wants to see violence in the streets, and and they're prepared to do it. Yeah, and that's why I'm a little bit concerned about the the removal of uh, Esper today. But that's a discussion for another time with uh, Posse Comitatus and the Insurrection Act and all that good stuff. But uh, down the line, down the line, one thing at a time. Frank, thanks for talking to me today. Um, I, I really appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll speak again soon. Of course. Anytime. Stay safe. You as well. Everybody, we'll be right back with Dana Goldberg and the good news, so stick around. Hey, everybody. It's AG. Thanks for supporting The Daily Beans. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. You've heard me talk about this. I absolutely love it because the pandemic hasn't just tested our economic endurance, but it's exposed how important it is that we keep our immune system strong. It's going to be really critical in these winter months, and that's why I recommend you take the superfood powder Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition, and you do it every day. While other health products boast about one or two vegetables, Field of Greens is packed with 18 clinically researched essential fruits and vegetables, and it's got green tea, ginger, turmeric, and beets. The turmeric is so good for my joints. This powerful combination not only supports heart health, it can support a healthy immune system, metabolism, blood pressure, and digestion, too. And Field of Greens is loaded with antioxidants and pre- and probiotics. Your gut is so important. Seriously, gut health is so, so important. Just put one scoop in a glass of water, stir it up, and you're done. So why settle for one vegetable when you can have the entire Field of Greens? Besides, nothing goes better with daily beans than Field of Greens. I rhymed. And Field of Greens, uh, add it to your daily routine and see why the powdered greens have earned more than 2,000 five-star reviews. So go to fieldofgreens15.com and get 15% off your first order with promo code BEANS at checkout. That's fieldofgreens15.com, available in two flavors, regular and wild berry. Both are delicious. Again, fieldofgreens15.com, and don't forget promo code BEANS.
All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Dana, I immediate, immediately am greeted with, it's an immediate dog, and it's a puppy. Yeah, and the, the name of the dog is not kosher, but it's adorable. Oh, it is definitely not kosher. Okay. <laughs> You want to take it? You want me to take it? I'm going to take this since it's not kosher. You know, I'll I'll go ahead. Um, being a, being a gentile, please. Thank you. Although I think I think this person wrote back in just so I would say this, but I do think you should take it <laughs> just in case we get smote. Yep, the first paragraph. You'll hear it when you'll know when you hear it. Keep Here going. We go. Oh oh oh! There's two reasons. Oh my God, you're right. It's not kosher for you on two. <laughs> fucking McReasons. Okay, here we go. From Mariah, pronouns she and her. Update, there are no more Trump signs in my neighborhood. Thank you for the thorough middle fingering we gave him. Okay, there's... That's the first one. Point one. And then point two. As a reward to us all, (laughs) I have included Hammy McBacon Fat's very first picture. He's saying hi or giving everyone a high five. Hammy McBacon Fat is adorable. Look at the little... Oh. Little, it's a tiny, tiny puppy. Okay, if you're not a patron, you have to sign up to be a patron just to get this particular newsletter to look at a picture of Hammy McBacon Fat. It is worth it. It's only three bucks a month. Sign up at patreon.com slash wrote. You will not be sorry. Oh, my goodness. I can't, it's such a good way to start the good news. And I've got more. More good news. This is coming from Carly, pronoun she and her. With the shit show of a year, COVID, and my husband losing his job, I made the tough decision to relocate us back to California from Alaska to be closer to my family. I have a 16-month-old daughter and wanted her to be closer to her grandparents and aunt. Mm. I took a better job here, and although it's been rough being new, it's been a breath of fresh air. Best of all, my daughter's flourishing under all of the love and attention from my folks. It's really cemented for me that I made the right choice to uproot our whole lives and move. The icing on the cake is getting to see Kamala Harris become our first woman and first person of color VP elect. My mixed race child will get to grow up in a world where she truly can be anything. My smart and sweet girl is attached and this little one is beautiful carly your daughter is beautiful look at the cheeks oh my god and the curly hair in the back okay and the pumpkin onesie Uh, and can we talk about the pumpkin onesie thank you i need to know if it comes in my size (laughs) first of all because i need this pumpkin onesie oh what a little angel thank you thank you so much for that carly this is so fantastic Um, Next up from anonymous pronouns she and her. I live in a red bubble in an ultra blue area in an ultra blue state. It's slid to purple since I moved here four years ago. While that is impressive in and of itself, the best part of the progress is the massive underground force of women moving constantly to nudge our local politicians to the left. After the election was called for Biden, I posted that interested women should come to my deck to have champagne. Women came. Others rejoiced just on the thread because they couldn't come, and others still outside my jurisdiction but in red states asked to be Zoomed in. To me, this was a testament to women just putting in work. Side note, <laughs> I am here getting a bug card. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am getting a bug card your yard type sign in my yard tomorrow morning. Congratulating Biden Harris. I'm so excited. Uh, see Thor and Elmer. <laughs> For pot dog tax. I'm I would love it if the Frenchie with the underbite was Thor, but it's probably the larger dog. I think it's definitely Elmer. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely Elmer. <laughs> Thor Thor is a beautiful pit. And Elmer, bless your heart. <laughs> 
<laughs> he's got the underbite of the century, and he's just a, he's a derpy, beautiful little brindle type Frenchie. O M G. And I, I really want that to be Thor, though, and I want the the pit to to oh, be. Oh God, let's just pretend to be Elmer. Pretend. Although Elmer's probably super pissed if he's the pit. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck do you mean I'm Elmer? Have you seen us? I know. <laughs> yeah. What's your name? Elmer. Okay, dude. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> All right. We have more good news. This is coming from Tim Ibu. Think I'm saying that right? Yeah. International, International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. Thank you very much. Uh, Local 212. This is Tim from the Local 212, the I-B-E-W. Knowledge is power. Thank you all so much for spreading it. A sort of correction regarding the trades from Are You Elated? It is true that many tradesmen are Trump supporters or right-wingers in general. However, the percentage of Trump support is considerably less among union members. We work hard for Kamala and Joe, too. Bottom line, look for the union bug when you hire a contractor for this and a dozen other reasons. Seriously, thank you for keeping us laughing and well-informed. Ah. Good, good, good call, Tim. Look for the union bug. Will do. And and thank you for your work. Honestly, um, it's 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 I like union workers and stewards and members are like the best people on the planet. Salt of the earth, incredibly hard workers. Work ethic is intense and amazing, and they you know supply so much for for us as a country and i don't I, you know and it, so it makes sense that they all back joe and kamala and not trump so much yeah absolutely thanks for your work next up from anonymous pronouns she and her thank you thank you thank you to the amazing beans team for all you're doing to save our hope and sanity through this chaos my anxiety has for some unknown reason ha been through the roof recently <laughs> between pandemic fear my marriage ending and the election, it feels like I've been functioning solely on adrenaline for the past eight weeks. Dude, I feel you anonymous. One of my coping skills has become uh, has become solo dance parties nice. accompanied by an incredibly random Spotify playlist. Everything is terrible. Ultimate solo dance party playlist. <laughs> <laughs> I typically hit random when the urge to dance occurs. And today I was greeted with, we're not going to take it by Twisted Sister. Yes. <laughs> I proceeded to jump around my office, flailing my arms and waving my middle fingers in the air in the direction of what I believe to be DC. Uh, I work in Baltimore, so I should know what direction that is. However, I may have been a little off. That's okay. It's not like Mecca. I'm sending you all the virtual hugs and moments of peace, as well as pictures of my dog, Sophie, to pay the pet tax. Please take care of yourselves. Your warrior spirit is precious and necessary. Look at Sophie in her Minnie Mouse outfit. Oh, God, what a beautiful dog. Sophie looks very, very soft. Soft, right? Silky velvety? Like, I want to pet the face. I want a copy of this fucking playlist <laughs> i mean yeah yeah share that with us i think we could all use a little twisted sister when that comes on if it ever comes on the radio when i'm listening i turn that thing up it's such a great song mm-hmm. gotta crank twisted sister you have to gotta crank it all right thank you so much anonymous and we are moving on to jessica pronoun she and her on the ballot here in sonoma county california we had a measure to have a sales tax to fund mental health and homeless services over the last few years because of wildfire fires mismanagement and less state funding. Our mental health services have been severely cut. This measure was an attempt to self-fund in a more consistent way. I'm very happy to say that it passed 69 to 31. As a mom with a kid in the system, this is a huge win and very much needed. My pop pets keep me safe. Willow Jackson and my feral Oreo. Oh, 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 I see Oreo. 
Oh my God. It's so, so sweet. I'm going to say Willow's the one sleeping and Jackson's the one giving a side eye, but that will yeah. have, maybe that Jessica can confirm that at some future <laughs> point. Well, Jackson looks like a man cat. Got the man cat face. Um, Willow is the, the sleepy, peaceful girl here. Yeah. And I think you're right. And Oreo, I mean, is the tuxie, right? But look yeah. at his little Van Dyke. Look, he's got the mustache and the what little... What did you just call me? Uh, just kidding. <laughs> Okay. I'm trying to get people to spit their coffee at least once a day. <laughs> Good job. It's he looks like you know how in the Star Star Trek the original series when they had Good Spock and Evil Spock and Evil Spock has the the curly mustache and the pointy goatee. It's called a Van Dyke. And he just reminds me of like the evil, like there's a, a nicer black and white cat out there without that facial accoutrement. Yeah. I'm actually not going to ruin it with the joke I was about to make. So let's just, we'll just leave it on a happy <laughs> note. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much for sending in your good news stories. Uh, if you have good news, if it's political or personal, if you just want to share your pets with us or, or pictures of your little chickens or your kids or whatever you got, whatever you want. Uh, this is the happy place to do it, and you can do that. And also, quarantine confessions, we still are running those. We're all going to be locked down here for the winter, I'm pretty sure. And, uh, you know, any corrections that you have for us, like we got from Tim from the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, thank you for that correction as well. Uh, send them to uh, Daily Beans. Go to dailybeanspod.com, click on contact, and you'll see a drop-down menu there, and it'll tell you, you know, what kind of flavor of thing you want to send us, and, and it'll it'll make you they'll walk you right through it and make it happen. Um, if you want to become a patron, if you're not a patron, so you can get these newsletters, get these episodes early the night before they come out to the public, and you can get them ad-free as well. Uh, you can do that for three bucks a month at um, um, patreon.com slash MullerSheWrote. And we still have a bunch of donated free one-year memberships. It's just 36 bucks to buy a one-year membership for somebody in need or somebody who can't swing it or a hero. And uh, you can sign up to to either donate a one-year membership or you can sign up to get one. And you do that at dailybeanspod.com on the front page. Just scroll down and you'll see it. Members supporting members or something, something to that effect. So you're all wonderful. Uh, any final thoughts, Dana, before we get out of here? No, just just keep smiling. We've got a lot to look forward to. We have a lot of work to do. All hands on in Georgia, but uh, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. So just keep breathing. Yep. Keep breathing. Keep moving. We'll get it done. And until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of your mental health and take care of the planet. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.